0: Welcome to How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships from True Story FM. Today, let's help you find your toaster its power.
1: Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Seth Nelson. I'm here as always with my good friend Pete Wright. Today on the show, what happens to your life after divorce? We've got the answer as we talk to author Chi in her 7-step divorce coaching program from Divorce to Diamonds. She's a woman's empowerment speaker with a passion for rebuilding and empowering women in their journey to discover power and purpose. Author Chi, welcome to
0: The Toaster.
2: Thank you so much for having me. The whole context of
0: that that I'm most interested in in this conversation is you've you've been through the the legal process, right? You've been dealing with Seth for Ever and now, yeah. <laughs> now you step Sorry. out of his office and that door <laughs> closes behind you and you hear that satisfying seal that says maybe you don't have to hang out with Seth and, uh, every day and now you're.
1: <laughs> Just for the record, the floor bar requires me to say this. Pete, author Chi was not a client of mine. We are not discussing attorney-client privilege. He was referring to me as the stereotypical short Jewish bald lawyer. So let's just keep going. Okay, <laughs> all right.
0: Check your jurisdictions. Okay, here we go. So you, 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 we well, now we're talking about about rebuilding, right? And and um, it, in the context of you know, and and we try, I should say, we try on this show not to have exceptionally gendered dis- discussions about divorce because it impacts men and women in, in, you know, different ways, but it's impactful. Uh, But today, you are here because of your expertise in working with women on
2: this rebuilding process.
0: And I would like to know how you got there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, honestly, I got there because I was there before, right? I experienced divorce myself. Um, And yes, dealing with the thefts of the world, I thought that once I finished the legal process, I was done and life was going to just automatically get better over time after divorce. Right. That was far from the truth. There was a lot of emotional unpacking, financial unpacking, parenting, you know, suddenly being a single parent. There was a lot of unpacking to do and I didn't really know where to start. And so I promised myself one thing, when I figure this out, I'm going to go back and teach <laughs> someone else because it, it was a hard road ahead of me. Okay. So, um, so that's what birthed the seventh step. I'm from divorce the diamonds program.
0: You got, I just want to say, Seth, you got air quoted just now by Chi. You got air quoted. That's know. the most satisfying thing <laughs> let, I've experienced. Let me tell today. you. Thank you for that, Chi. that was awesome. Uh, I wish yeah. I could like yeah. get a
1: plaque with it <laughs> on it in the wall. Like take down the <laughs> Law
0: school diploma and federal clerkship. Yeah. No, you've arri- now you've arrived now you've arrived. Right? Air quoted so by let's, author Yeah, Chief. but what we we nice.
2: we wouldn't I wouldn't be this far without you, Seth, I'm sure. Like I, I definitely <laughs> see value in, in in what I've experienced as far as the legal aspect of it. Um but yes, it's the unpacking afterwards.
0: Yeah, talk more about where you were. What you know what you're because I mean in terms of our Uh, experiences, you know, for crying out loud, we all serve as uh, our our lives all serve as warnings to others in some capacity or another. Right. Uh, So talk a little bit bit more about where you were when you came out of your divorce process.
2: I was actually a regional manager for a major financial institution. So I have 80 something employees. I am doing my thing. I'm working hard. And to suddenly fall into this place where I'm, I'm immediately a single parent. I now have one income as opposed to two. Um, The home that me and my husband were building together, we had to cancel the contract. And now I'm sleeping on my sister's bedroom floor because I have nowhere to stay. So you're talking about someone that had a very successful life and now finding myself at rock bottom, not really understanding what, I've never been here before. But I knew if this is the lowest that I've ever been, then I know this is the lowest I'll ever be. And I was determined to dig myself out of that hole, right, of self doubt and depression and all of that. And I said, I'm going to be better from this and not bitter. Okay. I'm not going to let this thing kill me. And that was kind of the beginning of me walking through this myself through the process that I now teach.
1: Let me tell you the worst part of that story self doubt, depression, canceling a contract is sleeping on the floor at your sister's place, man. She must hang that over your head forever. (laughs) Like, I would, I I think I would have just slept outside as a go to my brother's place and sleep on the floor.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I had a three-month-old at the time, so, you know, can't imagine, like...
1: Oh, my goodness. Oh, my That's hard. That's rough. It
2: was rough. It was rough.
1: I would not want to give that arrow to my brother, because he would use it all the time, so good for you.
2: No, she was kind to me. She was kind to me.
0: <laughs> you know those Nelson awesome boys, unparalleled. Uh, I, I think that's really important. So you're you're thinking about uh, how you how you rebuild that self doubt, that depression, the experience of uncertainty, right? As as you have to figure out what those pieces look like in your life before you can like put start putting them in some in some form. Uh, uh, to who you are, and one of the pieces I'm most interested in is like, wh- what is the the turning point when you make the decision to change? I was, I was, I, I maybe I've told this story on the podcast. Uh, why I uh, am trying to lose weight, right? Uh, big guy, and I was complaining about my ankles, my knees hurt, my, I'm my blood pressure, I'm a medical emergency just walking around. <laughs> and my my best friend looks at me and he says, "Hey, that's really awesome." And I said, "What are you talking about, man? Why is that? You are like the least helpful individual in my life." And he says, "Well, that means." at any point, you could say, I'm finished right now. I'm never going to be heavier than I am right now. And you could start something new. Mm-hmm. Well, to me, that was a transformational experience, right? That was, a, that was an experience that, that stuck in my head. And I am wondering if there is a parallel experience in discovering that you have the opportunity to choose different after your divorce.
2: I got tired of darkness. You know, some people get really comfortable in darkness. I got tired of being there. I got tired of experiencing the pain or the lack of, you know, being able to feel like there's a future ahead of me. Like, you know how you hear that phrase, you get just get tired, of thick and tired of being sick and tired. 100%. It was one of those moments yeah. where I'm just like, you know what? No. And, and, and changing your life is just a decision. It's just one decision to say, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. It's just that simple. Obviously, it's the actions after that decision that is the work, but just a simple thought will begin to then shift your life in some dramatic ways. And and that's basically um, what I had to do. And now what I teach, you know, one of the things that I, I, um, I share with my clients is, you know, making sure that you, first of all, acknowledge that I'm in a bad situation right now. Be Own it. Be truthful about it. And then allow yourself to feel all of those emotions and things that you've experienced. Validate them because they're, they're truth. They're truth to you in that moment. And then begin to replace those thoughts and those, that negativity with new thoughts, new vision. Where do you want to go? Not where you are, but where are you headed? So it's kind of that, that cognitive behavior therapy that you do for yourself where you just begin to renew your mind, if you will. So don't get stuck in the motions and the thoughts that bombard your mind, but begin to what I call the refill is that you release it, you realize it, and then you refill, refill with new thoughts, refill with new, um, new vision.
0: That's fascinating. I, I look at that, Seth. I mean, we talk about, um, you know, coming out of divorce and the hardships coming out of divorce, this, these perseverative thoughts, right? You end up thinking that and, and these thoughts that feed themselves, thinking about like, this is as bad as it's going to get. I guess the only thing I can think about is this is as bad as it's going to get. It's a snake eating its tail yes. uh, and, and breaking that. How do you go about breaking that cycle?
1: I think it is fascinating. And here's something I hear a lot from clients when they're still going through it um, or people who have been divorced, they're back in my office because they're having issues with their former spouse. And they say something like, I'm never getting married again. There's no good guys out there. There's just no good guy. And there's this mantra, right? And the guys are like, all women are crazy. There's no way. I'm not doing it again. So Pete, as you know, before the show, author, Chi says, you can't stump me with a question and I'm going to try now. Oh, I, li- I live for this. I live for this.
2: <laughs> I'm here for it.
1: Yeah, because air quotes, I'm fighting back, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at what point, if at all, once, when you're in the rebuilding of yourself where you have to take care of yourself, can you say, I'm going to open myself up for hurt again. I'm going to open myself up for a relationship again. Maybe they're all guys aren't so bad. I mean, we all have a certain level of Crazy, right? But at what point do you change the mindset of, I'm never getting married again? There are no good guys out there. I'm going to give it a go. Yeah. And how do I meet them? I'm tired of swiping right and left.
2: Yeah. When I hear that, I still, I, I still, I hear hurt. You're still, you still haven't fully healed, right? It's similar to being a really bad car accident. You both broke, broke several bones. And just the thought of getting back in a car just terrifies you, right? But one thing about preparing yourself for love again is that there's really no way around getting back in the car. Love is a risk, right? But one thing that we, we have to do to overcome that fear and all of that stuff that we, all the triggers is to get back out again, you know? And when you get back out again, you get back out again with a different perspective, not that what if this doesn't work, but what if it does? And that's the difference. Um, And the what if it doesn't is still the pain and everything that you experience still, you know, digging into your soul. And a lot of things, a lot of um, it, well, the advice that I typically give in that in that area is: make sure you go to therapy first before you start dating. Make sh- make sure you make peace with all of those demons and all of those things that you experience, so that you don't go back and start those same negative patterns of broken relationship after broken relationship. When you have a therapy and you heal properly, you can see clearly to choose correctly. Um, and I should have said that again a little slower, so <laughs> for the viewers. But when you heal correctly, you can choose correctly. But getting back out there, getting back in that car, going slow, taking your time, asking the necessary questions, but making sure that you go to therapy first to deal with those triggers and deal with that pain before you open yourself back up to love again. Did I answer that correctly, (laughs) Seth?
1: Oh, I'm not going to stump you. I was thinking halfway through. I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm leaning in. And I'm like, yeah, no, we're not stumping her today, but we're going to give our listeners a lot of good information. And and I'm going to thank you ahead of time for that because I couldn't agree with you more. And I, and I think that choosing correctly, right. Don't go date that same guy that you just split up with. Oh, right. right. Don't, yeah.
0: Isn't that like don't don't go red flag number go, one?
2: What? Yeah. And I actually have an exercise that I'll call um, breaking relationship patterns. You literally can, map out your last three relationships. What worked? What didn't work? What were the red flags that you saw? What were the characteristics of the person? Where did you meet them? Who ended the relationship? It has a series of questions so you can start identifying patterns. And a lot of my clients found like, wow, I'm dating the same guy with a different face, right? Yeah. So now I've identified that there's a pattern in how I'm choosing now, this is powerful because now you have an opportunity to create your avatar, your 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 partner all over again and saying, you know what, instead of this, let me try this. And that's where we kind of get out of what we call preferences, which sometimes can be a prison for us. And we begin to expand our territory and our boundaries to explore different types of people. And that way we open ourselves to different types of experiences and outcomes. So um, I did want to share that.
1: That sounds like a nightmare for me to do. (laughs)
2: it's so easy i promise (laughs) well it, it, it really highlights
0: though the difference between this sort of rehabilitative process between men and women again and so i will introduce the gendered topic because i think what you just said is right on the experience with the women that i i know who have who have sort of been rehabilitating after divorce i have a very dear friend a man who uh who was divorced it was a rough divorce and he came out of it and said i'm i I'm never going to marry again. I'm so done. Uh, like, it was just really traumatic. I'm not going to date. I don't need to date. I've got two kids. We're fine. It's just fine. And friends and family come to him and they say, "You just do a little therapy. Just go talk to somebody And and maybe you'll learn. Maybe you'll learn that there is room in your heart for for someone else. And and, I don't need it. I don't need it. Eventually, he, you know, I don't know which way you swipe to actually go with somebody. But he did. He swiped that direction. And he ended up going on a date with somebody. And the next morning, he calls. and He says, yeah, we had a pretty good date. You did? What'd you do? Well, we had sex. I said, really? He said, I think I could learn to love again. (laughs)
2: <laughs> he immediately started therapy
0: to to figure out how to do it. Like you never know what the trigger is going to be. You never know.
2: Yeah, no, I agree with that.
0: But honestly, a little, maybe a little, maybe a little predictable.
1: <laughs> I'm really worried about the people you hang out with, brother. Um, I hang uh, out with
0: the best people, uh, <laughs> the best people.
2: I could learn to love again. Yeah, I, I, that is as optimistic a thing as I've ever heard. And that's that's the <laughs> message, though. That's the message is that I know how dire it looks, and I was, you know, so hurt but you will love again. This love will come back around. I think that's the hope that I want to share with the viewers that are listening that's in this situation. I didn't think that I would be able to love again. I was surprised when I fell in love again after the divorce and it felt amazing. It felt amazing. And so give yourself that opportunity to experience love again, just because it didn't work the first time don't doesn't mean it won't work the next time. And I think that's that's the main message here. So,
0: I'm going to I'm going to put a verb to this, but it's not that I'm not using it the way I think Seth is going to hear me say it. Do you as a human being love differently it, now that you've been through divorce?
2: I do. I love differently in that I um I have I've learned how to set boundaries. Um I've learned um what I need versus what I thought I wanted. And I think the the boundaries thing for me is the biggest thing, because a, a lot of the women that I coach, especially that have been in abusive relationships, um, a lot of the reasons why they found themselves in a relationship, because they had really poor boundaries. Yeah, You know, they had they, they didn't stand up for themselves and say, hey, you know, especially if they're with a partner that's very controlling, say, hey, I won't be able to do that today or I won't be able to pick up your phone call every time you call me or meet you anytime you want to see me, being able to set those boundaries so their partner understands, oh, she's still a person. I can't control her. She still has an identity out, you know, separate from mine. Right. And, and so I had to learn, okay, if I'm going to do this again, I have to be able to let my future partner know what I will and won't tolerate. And if they can't adhere to those boundaries, they're not for me. And I was so afraid to push people away I was so I was a people pleaser I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings but the person that hurt at the end was me by not having those proper boundaries and praising, properly guarding my heart so so that's what I, I did learn
1: I think that boundary aspect is so important and it's on such little things that it's really like like you said no I am not if your expectation of me is to answer your phone call every time you call, that's not gonna happen. And what I've learned, Pete, to answer your question directly, do I love differently and what is that like? I understand that anything that I'm asking for or communications that I'm having, it's just a request. I just have a request. I might not always say it such as a request, right? this happened last night I was exhausted after work out of the blue my girlfriend and her son were going to pop by my place and literally pick up poke bowls and I'm getting a text what do you want and I just said whatever you're having that's what I, like I did not want to make another decision right and especially I didn't want to go through oh I want cauliflower rice and this protein and this and that like there's two main decisions there just whatever you're having my girlfriend's being very sweet, and she calls and says, "Well, what kind of sauce do you want?" And I'm exhausted, and I w- and I was like, "I don't care." I said, "Whatever you're having." And she's like, "Well, I'm just saying, because I babe, I can't make another decision. I'm I'm at the end of my rope." And I wish she goes, "Well, then don't answer my call," <laughs> like you know. And- <laughs>
0: But that's the interesting thing about all this, right. and it's cognitive dissonance, right? Like Exactly. And so
1: she comes in, and I apologize for being being short with her on the phone, and it was sweet what she was doing. And, and I said, you know, it's just a trigger. Like, I'm tired, and I'm thinking, well, now you're not listening to what I'm saying. I already gave you this answer. Why are you asking me this again? You know? I mean, but it's those types of little things that then, you know, when I'm getting some food in my system... And she comes in laughing at me because she knows it was a trigger that we can communicate about it differently and it doesn't turn into a thing. And I just did air quotes because it just seems like so much fun, you know? But, gee, is that a good example of something little on setting boundaries? And then if you kind of screw it up, how to talk through it?
2: Absolutely. And that's why I gave those examples because they are little. But it's those little boundaries that then... You know, if you don't set them, create bigger problems, right? Because then you'll have bigger boundaries that that your partner will continue to cross. Um, And so I think it's important to just, especially in the dating phase, which I spend a lot of time um, teaching on, is understanding what that looks like. Even physical touch, even time, even your things, your items, taking your car. And what are the rules that you have around all those areas before you start dating so you can make sure your future partner understands what those are and can adhere to them. Because when you get into a, a, a long-term serious relationship, you know, you want to have, have already been able to establish how to communicate things that make you uncomfortable or things that take away from you. Because a relationship should be adding to you and not make, you know, bringing out the worst version of you, right?
1: Isn't the reverse true though? You also need to be able to communicate what works for you?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a really good point.
0: And that's I think coming out of divorce, that's got to be really hard. I mean, that's another skill to learn that we all have to adapt to learn to to remind our partner or our friends like this is what works for me.
2: No, I think that's huge. I think that's huge. I think it's 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 both ways. It's being able to create that balance of, you know, what I enjoy and and and, and what doesn't work and what are some things that I'm, I'm flexible. On. Yeah. You know, it's not that some of these boundaries are just completely inflexible. But, um, you know, what are some things that I'm willing to compromise on as well? So,
0: well, and that's what I was going to get to the cognitive dissonance part that I think is so fascinating about this, which is that when you're coming out of a, a divorce, out of a marriage that maybe where maybe boundaries were not clearly established or respected, even if they were. Or respected, yeah, right, right, right. Um, that establishing boundaries, learning the skill to establish boundaries, might seem like a thing that would bring distance between two partners, and that's it. The opposite is actually true. Like a clear set of boundaries can make the relationship better. Is that a fair statement?
2: Absolutely, it is because a boundary is not a wall, and I think some people get that confused. You know, it's not like you're completely shutting that person out. A boundary is is just a it's just a guideline. Yeah. You know, it's just a guideline. And so, if, if it's properly followed, I think you'll, it's a foundation for a very, very healthy relationship. So, I agree.
0: You want to tell us a little bit about uh, divorce to diamonds?
2: I do, I do. I
0: was wondering,
1: boy, I knew you were going to- I know, when when are we going to get to that? Yeah. I was waiting, I was waiting. (laughs) I'm so excited.
2: So it launches in January. I have versions of it that I piloted in over the last 12 months. But uh, I said, you know what, I took six months off and just revamped the whole entire program. So I'm really excited about From Divorce to Diamonds. And basically where that name came from is that when you look at how a diamond is formed, going through all of the pressure, the heat, all the eruption and the digging and all that is very similar to the healing process that, especially as women, that we go through. That eruption, all of those that, the, the emotions like anger and regret and depression that we have to get out of you. And then we got to start chiseling things away like unforgiveness and all of those type of things. We have to rebuild you, polish you up and rebuild your confidence. You know, those are some of the things that we tackle in the program, including like how to receive other forms of love and how to not always feel like a romantic relationship validates you only. There's other forms of love that validates you as a person, including the love that you have for yourself. So we teach you how to kind of be content with where you are right now, not saying that love will never show up again, but what can you do in the meantime, you know, just enjoying your own company. So just things like that to really give you the tools to start the healing journey, because it is a process. This seven-step program is not going to heal you overnight. But as you gradually heal, it'll give you the proper tools to heal properly. It's like you break a bone, right? You have to set that bone, you put the cast on it for it to heal. That's basically what we're doing. We're just setting that bone, getting you ready for your healing journey so you can heal properly.
0: I in. i know do you, do you take uh do you take the likes of uh, of us would we would we rock the boat too much <laughs> we clearly i think I with love anything was we, discovered here is that uh, uh we could use a little help
2: <laughs> i'm here to help I'm here to help <laughs> uh
0: you also you, you wrote this uh you wrote this book i did from Glassstone, stone ten transformational stories of resilience people should check that out as well. Uh, anything else you want to, you want to plug for us? Anything else you want to share?
2: Well, no, just, uh, you know, a a little bit about the book. I mean, it's just basically sharing my personal journey of divorce and how I was able to rebuild my life to kind of then becoming this divorce coach. Like who would have thought, right? Who would have thought that pain can birth purpose?
1: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. When you were growing up and they say, what do you want to be when you grow up? You didn't say a divorce coach?
2: I did not. Would that be amazing though? (laughs) I wanted to be a fashion designer. A
0: fashion designer. That's not anywhere near where you are right now.
2: I was a designer for 10 years. I thought this was going to be my life and life threw me a curveball like nobody's business.
0: <laughs> because i imagine if you if you were about to like y- y- you know uh, cement your relationship with your former spouse and and they said why do you want to get married so that i can get divorced and have the experience to be a divorce coach is not the right answer.
2: Hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, you know, uh, my program is also faith- faith-based. So i do believe everything happens for a reason. I do believe all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord. And i feel like you know, again, with those individuals that you mentioned earlier, that says, I'm never getting married again. I'm never, I'm like, well, what did you learn? Yeah. What did you learn? And if you, if you regretted going through that experience, then you're also saying, I regret everything I learned too. I'm willing to forfeit all the lessons, the children, everything that you gained from that. You're throwing all of that away. Are you willing to do that? Lean into what you, what this this experience is supposed to teach you? What change is it forcing you to make? And if you look at it from that perspective, you won't have, uh, it'll take that edge off of your experience, right? And you can tap into the place that I found where I found purpose. I'm like, whoa, this is a whole different world that I didn't know existed. And if I stay buried in my pain, I wouldn't be helping the hundreds of women that I'm helping today.
0: That's beautiful. That's beautiful. We could learn a little something, Seth. All right, I got one more question. I'm
1: going to try to. Okay, I'm going to try and stump it. her. Please let's be nice. All right, I'm going to give one more. <laughs> I'm going to give another shot. What would you say to the guys that are dating someone who's been divorced and has a child? What advice would you give to them?
2: Be patient. There you go. Be patient. Yeah. Be patient because you know, with divorcees. Because
1: that's on the top of every guy's list, Yeah, right? Oh, I'm a patient guy. <laughs>
2: well, you know, most guys that I meet are pretty patient. Women are, we, we can be a little edgy sometimes, but um, you guys help balance us and calm us down. So I would say, you know, be patient. You know, the, the divorcees come with a lot of history, right? And they may not get it right the first time. But a lot of the divorcees I know, they really do want to get it right this time. They don't want to experience that again. And so they're gonna work really hard, you know, especially if they did their heart work first, not the ones that are still hurting, but the ones that are truly did their heart work to get rid of all the triggers and all of those the um the pain from their past. Um be patient with them. Um and and I believe divorcees can make some really good spouses um um with, with the right support system in place. So
1: Okay, that's what my girlfriend says she's like, you should always date someone that's been divorced because then they've learned their stuff. They got it all out of their system. They went to therapy. Like the fact that you're dating a guy that's never been married, you're crazy.
0: (laughs) Okay. That's right.
2: And they're not leaving you. I tell, I tell like, you know, I'm like, listen, if you ever think you're going to leave me, I'm going to ask she, where are you going? Because I'm coming with you. Like you're, I'm not doing it again. <laughs> so it's this, like, it's this determination now. Like I'm not living through this twice. So you're packing your bags. We're going together, right? So, um, it's this fight. It's this fight and this passion that you have now. Um, push. Now you have perspective.
1: And you see that at the beginning of the show. At the beginning of the show, she was talking about unpacking all this stuff, and now she's talking about packing again. She's talking about packing it up. I'm um,
0: packing. Like packing it up. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. No. Always go for the divorce guys because they've already played AAA ball. They know how to. They know how to to play in the big leagues. <laughs> That's now. right. That's all right. Hey.
2: Yes, I agree. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, Chi, I gotta tell you that, that curveball that life threw you—you've hit it out of the park. Thank you. I mean, you've just crushed it, and we can't thank you enough for uh joining us on the toaster
2: thank you for having me you guys are a lot of fun uh
0: you can find <laughs> out more about chi at authorchi.com. chi.com that's a-u-t-h-o-r-c-h-i.com and uh you know this this show is going to drop uh right at the end of november first uh, week of december and by then you only have a month to get ready for the the uh, uh divorce to diamonds Uh, new version coming out in January. So very excited to have you here, Chi. Thank you so much for being a part of this. On behalf of uh, author Chi and America's favorite divorce attorney, Seth Nelson, check your local jurisdictions. I'm Pete Wright, and we'll see you back here next week, right here on How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships.
2: Seth Nelson is an attorney with Nelson Coster Family Law and Mediation with offices in Tampa, Florida. While we may be discussing family law topics, how to split a toaster is not intended to, nor is it providing legal advice. Every situation is different. If you have specific questions regarding your situation, please seek your own legal counsel with an attorney licensed to practice law in your jurisdiction. Pete Wright is not an attorney or employee of Nelson Coster. Seth Nelson is licensed to practice law in Florida.